So many of us have grown up praying, at least in some form or fashion. I, I didn't really grow up praying, um, but I did grow up listening to Metallica's Enter Sandman. You know the bridge that's there, the prayer that's there? Uh, some of you remember that one. Um, anyways, we, we may have grown up praying, but, but perhaps, perhaps while we grew up praying, perhaps our, our prayers has, haven't grown up with us. That we've prayed the same way that we've always prayed. We've prayed the prayers that we were taught as children. And some of that's good, but, but some of that we might find, well, it just doesn't work now that we have adult-sized issues. And so as we talked about last week, we are not the first group of grown-ups who never learned how to pray grown-up-sized prayers. Apparently, uh, many of Jesus' followers never learned how to pray grown-up prayers. In fact, one day, one of the disciples, sort of elected by the rest of the group, walks up to Jesus and and asks Jesus this. This is from Luke chapter 11. It says, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, the disciples here, they, they knew how to pray. They were raised as good Jewish boys and girls. They learned prayers in their childhood. But there was, there was something about the way that Jesus prayed that, that made them question, maybe, maybe we're missing something. Maybe we don't have this entirely right. Maybe, maybe it's time that we move on and learn to pray grown-up prayers. Now, I would imagine that this is something that you've never done before. You've probably never asked somebody to teach you how to pray. It's one of those things that, that we just learn by observing. And in fact, if, if someone were to hear you pray, then suggest you need to be taught how to pray Well, that'd be a little offensive and and rightly so. In fact, uh, this actually happened to me one time. Um, It was an Episcopal priest, which makes the story a little bit ironic. Um, But in fact, I was in his office talking about prayer and, you know, we were just discussing, you know, what what is the purpose of prayer? How do you pray? All of that stuff. Uh, All of a sudden he gets up, um, he pulls over an empty chair in front of me and says, okay, now imagine God sitting there have a conversation. And then he walked out the door. And that was my work was to pray to an empty chair. And it was, it was a little awkward at first praying to an empty chair, but it it helped me imagine that this conversation that I was having with the God of the universe was right there, close and intimate, personal, perhaps, perhaps some of you might need to pull up an empty chair and learn to pray that way. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, then you really have no choice but to follow Jesus's way of prayer. And he's very specific. He, we talked about this last week that Jesus first begins teaching his, uh, his lesson on prayer by teaching the disciples how not to pray. He says, don't, don't go off praying with a thesaurus in your hand, trying to impress other people using big and eloquent words. Don't, don't do that. And 
Don't, don't just say the same thing over and over and over again, as if the volume of your words will move God into action. Instead, Jesus says, I want you to do is I want you to go into your room, close the door and have this close, intimate, personal conversation with your good heavenly parent. Now this was uh, sort of challenging during Jesus's time because most of the homes, well, they didn't really have doors. They, they may have had a piece of cloth or leather. Some may have had an actual wooden door, but it, it was kind of hard to find a closed off, secluded, private place. We don't have that same problem, right? Most of us, I would assume, live in houses that, well, we have wooden doors. Maybe we have many, many rooms that we could go into, but perhaps our problem is, well, we're just too busy. So Jesus says, look, you you don't have to use fancy words. You don't have to babble on and on because, because God already knows what you need before you ever even ask, which leads us to ask, well, why should I even pray then? And now Jesus has us right where he wants us asking the question he wants his disciples to ask. You see, his disciples wanted to know how to pray, but Jesus wanted to teach them, wanted them to understand why they should pray in the first place. And isn't it true? Isn't it true that that most of the times our, our prayers are reduced to just informing God, informing God about the goings on of our life, uh, about our hopes and dreams and, and wishes and needs? But, but maybe there's, there's so much more to prayer than that. You see, Jesus told us not only how to pray and even where to pray, but he also told us what to pray. So he says this in Matthew chapter 6. His disciples ask, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name, or hallowed be thy name, that old, good old King Jimmy version. That we're, we're supposed to pause and recognize who it is that we are praying to. The, the, the great God in whom there is no equal. The, the, the creator God who is both infinite and intimate. When we pause to reflect on who God is, we gain a better understanding of ourselves. This is, this is a way that we begin to sort of regain our bearings, that, that we begin to understand the context of our lives. And if we rush by this, rush past this opening part of just praising God, we're going to resist everything that follows in Jesus's prayer. And what follows is, is why we should even pray. What follows is the purpose of prayer. And here it is. Jesus says, Bring in your kingdom, God, so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. God, bring in your kingdom right here, right now, in my life, in in my schedule. Here's a question. Are are you ready for that? I I mean, come on. Are you you really ready for for God's will to be done? Are are we willing to, to pray that honestly? I know that, that I struggle with that. I mean, it's one thing to pray for God's will in sort of a general sense or pray for God's will in someone else's life, but, but I've got my own kingdom already. 
God, I've, I've got my kingdom and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in it. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable reigning and imposing my will on my own little kingdom of my life. I'm not sure if I'm willing to give that up. See, I, I want God to do my bidding. But praying for God's will, God's kingdom to come. See, it, it introduces us into a world that we will never know or experience otherwise. Unless we surrender. Uh, this, this is why we pray. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will to God, not to try to impose our will on God. Prayer, prayer changes us so that we can then have the confidence to say, God, truly, truly your will be done and your kingdom come. But before, before I'm ever sure of the outcome, before I've finished my pros and cons list, God, whatever it is, your will be done. But most of us don't pray that way. I don't pray that way most of the time because, because it stands in contrast to the reason why we pray in the first place. We often don't come to God to surrender. We often come to God to be rescued, often from something that could have been avoided had we surrendered in the first place and not gotten ourselves into that mess. But, but if, you're, if you're nervous to truly pray that prayer, if you're nervous to, to surrender your will, can't hand over your wants and your desires to God, you're nervous about that, then, then pay attention to that tension because maybe God is trying to teach you something in that tension. Maybe, maybe you're holding on to something a little too tightly. Maybe something has got a hold of you a little too tightly. Maybe you've placed something or, or someone up on a pedestal that doesn't belong there at all. But, but here's the thing. If you're not willing to take the training wheels off of your prayers and to first ask that God's will be done over and against your own will, then there's no point to continue on praying until, until we're willing to prioritize Jesus's way and Jesus's kingdom over our own. Well, there's no point in continuing on with the prayer because the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not to impose it. And this becomes evident in, in what follows next in Jesus's prayer, that everything that follows next and what he teaches us, it already assumes a position of surrender. It already assumes that we have surrendered our will over to God and Jesus. He's actually inviting us to see the world in a way that we would never experience it until we learn how to surrender. So Jesus says uh, the next thing he says, give us to which we say, all right, finally, we get to talk about us. Finally, it's our turn. We usually start with this, right? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But Jesus saves it until now. But here's the thing. Jesus, he's not taking prayer requests here. No, Jesus is actually inviting us to pray for three things in particular. Three things that, that already assume that we have surrendered. Now, here are the three things, and this is just a little pastor's alliteration here. They all start with P, so maybe you can remember them. So, after we've praised God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, ask for three things. The three things that Jesus mentions are uh, provision, pardon, and protection. Provision, pardon, and protection. The provision part of the prayer, you, you're already familiar with. Jesus says, when you pray, 
Pray this way. Pray, give us. Give us the bread we need for today. For our daily bread. Something that, that many of us don't have to worry about. In fact, some of us, well, we eat more than our daily bread's worth. Guilty as charged here. But when Jesus' disciples heard this, give us the bread that we need for today, their immediate thought was that of their ancestors. Hundreds of years before, crawling out of their tents early in the morning just to collect enough bread for the day. It was a time in Israel's history when uh, God rained down manna, this bread-like substance from heaven, and, and the people collected just enough for the day, just enough to get by for the day. It's a time when the Israelites were fugitives on, on the run after having been freed from slavery in Egypt. And, and it was God's way of teaching the Israelites to depend upon God because, because God would later go on to say, look, the day will come. The day will come where, where you will have more than enough of your daily bread. In fact, Israel, you're going to have so much bread that there's going to be a city that's called the house of bread, Bethlehem. And, and, and in fact, other nations are going to come to you to buy bread from you, but don't be deceived. God says, don't be deceived because even when you have plenty you are no less dependent upon me than you are right now this day as you're crawling out of your tent to collect your daily bread. And the same is true for us. That this, this is the part of our prayers where we remind ourselves that God is our ultimate provider. And not, not just what we eat, but with everything in our lives. That the things that we depend upon most, we realize we actually have very little control over them. I know some of you have been through some seasons in your life where you have been acutely aware of just how dependent upon God you really are. And if that day has not come for you yet, got bad news, but it's probably coming. When you have to face those adult-sized issues, those problems of, of your health, your income, your safety, your mental health, or the mental health of, of someone else, suddenly you're reminded of just how dependent upon God you really are and how little control you have of the things that matter most to you. So Jesus says, and, and when you pray, we are to pause and declare our dependence upon God every day in, in everything now, this is such a big deal because we live in a culture where we, we often get in trouble because of our excess, because of our, our plenty. We, we sometimes have made a mess of things because of excess. We've made a mess of our waterways and our farms and our industries and corporations because, well, we've just gotten greedy. We've sometimes made a mess of them because of our excess, in, in a culture of excess, we just take things for granted. We expect things to be given to us. We feel entitled to things. And consequently, we end up becoming, well, ungrateful for things as well. So let me, let me take you to this. And I, I just, I dare you 
I dare you to pray this prayer. This prayer uh, that we're about to read makes explicit what Jesus is getting at in his own prayer. And, and this prayer, it will confront you with some things, I hope, that, that maybe you need to be confronted with. That, that you pray this prayer, you're going to begin to feel the training wheels fall off. And so here it is. It comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 30. And it's, it's a prayer, and it says this. It says, God, fraud and lies, keep far from me. Don't give me either poverty, which we like that part, or wealth. Just give me the food I need. Other translations say, just, just give me my daily bread. Don't give me more than I can, I can handle appropriately, but also don't give me too little that I'm, I'm tempted to cheat or steal. God, don't give me more than, than you know that I can handle. Now, that's, that's not a very American prayer. That's not a very Western civilization prayer. But he goes on and he continues on with, with why he actually prays this. He says, or, or I'll be full and deny you, God, and say, who is the Lord? I, I don't need God. Look, I'm, I'm self-made. I've, I've got everything I need. Or... I'll be poor and steal and dishonor my God's name. I dare you to pray that prayer. God, give me neither poverty nor riches, but only give me my daily bread. Because I know that I'm not above God. I'm not above abandoning God because I have everything I need. And I also know that I'm not above stealing because I have too little. See, this, this prayer, it slows us down to remind us of everything that comes our way is just a gift from God. And it reminds us of our propensity to allow good things to eventually lead us astray if we don't handle them appropriately. It says, don't, don't let me be deceived into thinking that, that I don't need you, God. We are not self-made. And so that's the provision part. Here's, here's the part in part of the prayer. Uh, the part that, that we're probably more familiar with, that we pray the most, at least, at least the first half of it. Back to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, here's the rest. Forgive us the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. This is, this is a prayer request with a catch. Don't you love those? So here's, here's Jesus' teaching. He says, God, you need to pray. Forgive me. In the same way and to the same degree that I have forgiven the people who have wronged me. Again here, the, the assumption is that we have already surrendered. We, we need forgiveness from God, but are we, are we asking something from God that we are then unwilling to extend to others? Well, let, me, let me say that. When, when we pray to God for forgiveness... Are we then unwilling to extend that same forgiveness that we have been shown to other people? And as followers of Jesus, look, we, we just don't have an option in this. We are required to do unto others as God through Christ Jesus has done unto us. We're, we're to forgive because, well, we have been forgiven. The apostle Paul comes by later on, and uh, he says kind of the same thing. He just reverses the order of it. Uh, this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter four. He says, be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other, 
In the same way, God forgave you in Christ. This is what Jesus was praying. Look, we don't, we don't forgive other people because they're deserving of our forgiveness. We, we forgive because we've been forgiven and we didn't deserve it. Jesus says, when, when you pray, ask for forgiveness because, well, one, Lord knows you need it, but also ask for forgiveness as a way to remind yourself to forgive other people. It causes us to ask ourselves, am I withholding from someone the very thing that I'm asking God to give me? Forgiveness. And you know this. I mean, asking God to forgive you while you refuse to forgive your ex, your friend, your parents, your boss, your coworkers, your neighbor, your enemy, to ask God to do for you what you're unwilling to do for someone else, well, it sort of kind of just reduces God to a cleaning agent. That, that God just becomes like a bleach to our conscience. I, I come to God and I ask God to forgive me of, of my sin, bleach out that stain in my life and in my conscience. And, and God does that. And I'm washed whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I feel so much better. And that's what we want because we want to feel better, but still not going to forgive you. But it's okay because my conscience is now clear, but I'm not going to forgive you. Friends, prayer is, is not a, a conscience cleanse. It's not to bleach our troubled thoughts. The, the reason why we ask for forgiveness is yes, to keep in right relationship with God. And the reason why we forgive others is so that we can hold the door open for their forgiveness, for, for the possibility of, of reconciliation of those who have sinned against us. And, and I know, I get it. Look, I know it's, it's unlikely that they will do that because they're just the worst person in the world. I, I know, but on the off chance that they do come to their senses, the door of forgiveness and reconciliation is open to them. And maybe things won't get back to the way they were. Maybe it won't be all hunky-dory again. That, that's okay. But by forgiving ahead of time, you're releasing them from a debt that they may not be able to pay anyways. But when you forgive them, you do what God has done for you already. That God has forgiven us ahead of time. And so we, we shouldn't be surprised when Jesus connects our forgiveness from God to our willingness to forgive others. Because to refuse to forgive is to refuse to follow. To, to refuse to forgive is to refuse to follow in the ways of Jesus that, well, that's what this whole Christianity thing is all about, right? Is about forgiveness. But maybe now we're, we're at that part of the prayer where you're like, huh, I'm not really sure how to pray anymore. Maybe I'm not sure I really want to pray anymore. At least, at least not the way that the Jesus taught, because, well, this is, this is hard. It, it, it requires so much. It, it requires that, that we have to let go of our well-rehearsed stories that justify our anger, our prejudice, our, our resentment. But Jesus, Jesus wants to introduce us into a land that we will never know or experience until we forgive. 
is he surrendering to Jesus in this way. It actually protects us from allowing those who have hurt us to becoming our Lord's. That surrendering to Jesus in this way, forgiving others, it it ensures that, that we don't surrender to bitterness or resentment or anger or revenge. Those are not good masters. Those are not good Lords and they don't deserve your loyalty and they'll extend the reach of your enemy. The person who has wronged you far into your future and sometimes into future generations. Now, again, you all know of some people who have every reason in the world to hang on to hurt, embrace resentment, to hold a grudge. But, but instead they decided to take the training wheels off and venture out into forgiveness. You, you know, people who have done that and it's amazing to see, right? So learning, learning to pray the way that Jesus wants us to pray, it's really an invitation to follow. It's an invitation to surrender. It's an invitation to, to a more abundant life than we might be stuck in when we're stuck in unforgiveness. And so that leads us to the closing part of Jesus's prayer, um, which is sort of, well, it's sort of anticlimactic, which I don't mean that it's bad or anything, um, but Jesus just kind of concludes his, his lesson on prayer with something that makes us just go, huh, what? And now Jesus actually didn't conclude his prayer with for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That was added in later by a scribe, maybe because, well, they didn't like the way that Jesus ended his prayer. It wasn't very eloquent, but Jesus, he wasn't writing song lyrics here. He was trying to teach us how to pray. And so we'll come back to the whole lead us not into temptation piece in a little while, but this is the way that Jesus wraps up his lesson on prayer. He says, if If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Sounds good. I I like that part, right? He says, but, but if you don't forgive others, neither will your father forgive your sins. Wait, what? Never learned that in Sunday school, right? But come on, you're, you're smart people. You, you know this. What do you call people who ask from God what they are unwilling to do for themselves. What do you call people who, who ask for, ask from God, what they are unwilling to do for themselves? You know what those people are called. They're called hypocrites. Jesus says here, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a jerk. Don't, 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 don't hold on to this. You you expect to be forgiven and, and you will, but come on, pass it on, forgive others. You see, not only does God know what you need before you ever even ask, but God knows the depth of your heart as well. And so here's a question. Who do you need to forgive? Who, who in your life do you need to forgive? And, and I know, I know if, if I heard your story, I wouldn't want to forgive them either. If I heard your story, I, I would want to give you a pass. Now you don't have to worry about that. But Jesus wouldn't give you a pass. Because Jesus knows what a lack of forgiveness will do to a human heart. And so, would you, would you be willing to cancel their debt? And and if you're not, if you're not, 
and assuming that Jesus is correct. And I always assume that Jesus is correct. If you're not willing to do that, well, then that's about as far as prayer can take you. You get stuck right there. And you know what? You should get stuck right there. You, you, you should get stuck in that uncomfortable place where, yeah, you want God's forgiveness, but you're not willing to extend that to somebody else. You should get stuck there. And you should get stuck there until you're willing to extend forgiveness as well. And so here's the question, right? Here's the question that we've, we've kind of been asking. Does prayer work? Well, yeah. It certainly works on us, right? This is hard. It, it works in us. It works through us to, to free us. But at times, yeah, it's kind of uncomfortable. Sometimes I, I just want to put the training wheels back on and I, I want to pretend that, that God is my cosmic sugar daddy and I got a cosmic ATM and I just put in the right pin code and I get all the blessings that I ever need. I, I just, I want to be good with God, but, but I, I don't really want to have to be good with you. I, I want to be good with God, but I don't want to have to be good with, with my neighbors. You know that there's a word to, to describe that? of being good with God, a right relationship with God, but, but not having any concern for your brothers or sisters, your enemy even. There's a word to describe that. It's called religion. Religion. Because religion is an attempt to just reduce God to sort of a good luck charm. I, I do the right thing. I say the right thing. Maybe, maybe some good fortune will come my way, but it doesn't require me to change anything at all. See, in the end, religion will, will leave you empty and unchanged. Safe, sure, yeah, but shallow. And correct belief just becomes a substitute for correct behavior. And here's the thing, is that you run the risk of missing out on the love of God at work in you and also at work through you. You see, because when, when I focus on the work that God has yet to do in me, I become far less concerned about what the work that God has yet to do in you. When, when I focus on the work that God has yet to do in me and in my life and my heart, <laughs> I become far less concerned about the work that God has to do in you. And so when I, I get stuck in my prayers of, of God, I'm not sure that I can let this go. I, I'm not sure that I can cancel that debt. I'm reminded that I have to focus more on what God is doing in me than on what they have done to me. As Jesus said, first, First, take the plank out of your eye so that you can see clearly. And then, and then you can get around to the speck in theirs. I think that's probably enough for today. I think some of you, you know, you got some homework to do, right? And so we'll kick off. Uh, we'll start back next week um, talking about lead us not into temptation. But why don't we close with a word of prayer now? And so God, we thank you. You are an awesome God. 
that you uh, watch over us and that you do give us our daily bread, even, even though Lord, sometimes it might not come in the way that we want it to. Sometimes it might not come in the ways that, that we see it, recognize it. And God, you also remind us that you give us grace upon grace, grace in abundance and forgiveness for us. And yet, Lord, that's not something that we take lightly. But Lord, we recognize that with that grace, there's also a responsibility with it. That we would reach out and offer that same grace and forgiveness to others. And Lord, there's, there's some of us here today that we're stuck in that place. Asking forgiveness from you, but mm, not sure if we're ready to extend it to others. That's, that's okay. Holy Spirit, hold us, hold us in that place. Keep working on us until we're ready to allow you to work through us. And God, for all of us, may we not take your grace for granted, but help us, Lord. Help us to share it. Yes, with those that are near and dear to us, but God, also our neighbors, strangers, and yes, Jesus, even as you taught us, even our enemies. God, we thank you for calling us to this life of discipleship. And it's, it's so enormously hard sometimes. But don't let us give up. Help us to surrender and to trust you. And you will lead us and guide us. Pray this in your name. Amen.